When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Hello, everybody, and welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network. I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Sharon Zone, as you can see from the S on the hat, Alex Barth. And Alex, uh, we're going to break down Patriots Cowboys in this episode here, obviously previewing Sunday's matchup in week six against the Dallas Cowboys in the number two scoring offense in the entire NFL coming to Gillette Stadium on Sunday. And first and foremost, I wanted to start uh, when the Cowboys have the ball, how Bill Belichick is going to game plan against Dak Prescott and company. And I've had a lot of discussions in the last couple of years with people that I trust in the analytics community about this philosophy that there's no place for running the football in football in 2021, right? Because the Patriots have certainly built their roster and they haven't been successful in this department. And we can talk about that in a little bit as well, but the Patriots have certainly built their roster to run the ball. And the conventional wisdom is that you don't do that anymore, right? That everything should be about the passing game, both stopping the pass and uh, being able to put up passing yards on offense. And although the, the overarching consensus, I would say in the analytics community is that you should build your roster with the passing game as your most important aspect, quarterback, receivers, pass protection, and then obviously on the defensive side of the ball too, pass rush and coverage. But in certain matchups, in certain situations, there is still a place for running the football. And in this matchup for the Patriots, I wholeheartedly feel that stopping Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys rushing attack is the most important aspect of this game. And I think people hear that and say, 
why you're gonna da- you're gonna dare Dak Prescott to throw the football? That's crazy. It's not about daring Dak Prescott to throw the ball. It's that if you're giving up six or seven yards per pop on first down against the run, it opens up the entire arsenal for the Dallas Cowboys. Now they're in manageable down and distances the entire game, and it becomes very difficult to predict what a very balanced offense is going to be able to do. So defensively, getting the Cowboys into second and third and long by stopping the run on first down to me is the most important thing about this game. And I think people hear that. And especially with what's being pumped out there with the analytics and everything, everyone always kind of box at that and says, Oh, this is 2021. And, you know, let them run the football. I truly feel like this Cowboys offense is what I would call a stay ahead of the chains front running type of offense. When they are ahead of the chains and they're in favorable down and distances and the entire Rolodex is available to Kellen Moore, they're impossible to stop. So if you don't make them one dimensional and you don't give them situations where they have to throw the football on third down, then it's going to be a long night for the Patriots. Yeah, I, I'd absolutely agree with that. And I think you kind of look at some of the trouble they got in last week, right? And they struggled. It was the, they, the, the Texans converted all 10 of their first potential conversions, right? And that's the Texans offense. Part of the reason they did that was just they, the Texans had manageable. And sometimes they had to use two downs to get to fourth down, but they always found themselves in manageable situations. Yeah. You can't give the Dallas Cowboys that kind of freedom. If you do, they have the weapons that the Texans don't to burn you. So I agree with you. I think you know, second and seven, third and five, keeping them in that range is crucial in this game. Yeah, I, I think that that's honestly when I, I watch this Dallas offense over the last couple of seasons, because they played the Patriots in 2019 as well. This is a much more, I would say, experienced and improved Dak Prescott from what we saw a few years ago. And that game was played in the pouring rain, similarly to that Bucks game a few weeks ago for the Patriots. But the point being is that, I think when people say, oh, you're you're going to load up to stop the run, they th- they start to think about you're daring Dak Prescott to throw the ball to Amari Cooper and, and throw the football to CeeDee Lamb, and that's playing with fire. And, and it might be to a degree, but I truly – the Patriots are going to have to trust their DBs on first down to be able to limit big plays down the field. Sure. They might give up some things underneath. They might give up some things uh, that they don't want to on play action, but in terms of overall, they just need to not give up the backbreaker, right? Don't give up the 50 yard touchdown on first down. If they can stay away from that, and then they can get into those obvious passing situations. And that's when Bill Belichick can unleash the exotic coverage systems and the and the pressure schemes and the different looks that they give you on third down. I think that that's how they're going to be most effective. But that's going to mean going to the secondary now for the Patriots is that they're going to have to match up similarly to how they did against Tampa, where JC Jackson's going to have Amari Cooper and Jalen Mills hopefully is going to play in this game. And he's going to have CD lamb. They're going to have to figure out whether it's Kyle Duggar or Adrian Phillips, or maybe a defensive back, a cornerback, excuse me, like Jawan Williams, potentially playing Dalton Schultz. They're going to have to figure out how to match up now in the secondary with all of these guys. That's how I see it going is JC on Amari, uh, Mills on C.D. Lamb, and then hopefully Kyle Duggar and Adrian Phillips can hold it down against somebody like Dalton Schultz, who's super underrated in this passing game for Dallas. But that's going to be some tough matchups, but it was the same thing a couple weeks ago, and it was some tough matchups against Tampa Bay. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, to kind of go back to what you're talking about, 
I, I, I get what you're saying with them running the ball. I do, but I, I do think it worked against Tampa. You know, I, and you can, I, I feel like it's easier to prepare to stop the pass and then adjust to having to stop the run than the other way around. If that makes sense. Um, I, I just wonder. I, I think if- the difference between this Dallas, this Dallas rushing attack is so much better than what they saw against the Bucks. The Bucks have a decent running attack. They're above average in that department. And Leonard Fournette's a tough guy to tackle. But you look at Zeke Elliott, you look at Pollard, and you look at this Dallas offensive line. Then you also add in the fact that Dak can run, right? And they do run some zone reads, some RPO, things like that. It, this is a much different and more explosive rushing attack than what they faced against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay can gash you, right? Leonard Fournette could get 10 yards here, 10 yards there, but they can, this Dallas offense can win the football game and score 25, 26, 27 plus points just by running the football, right? They don't even need to throw it if you let them run it that well. That's true. I, you know, I'd say Tampa ran the ball pretty well in the Patriots. I know Dallas has a better running attack, but are they going to do? I, I, are they going to do better than what the Buccaneers did? Six yards of carry against Patriots. Um, I'm assuming with your game plan that Jalen Mills is going to play. Yes, if Jalen Mills doesn't play in this game, then my game plan might be completely okay. Blown up, right? I mean, they, Jonathan Jones is not going to cover CD Lamb. That's a mismatch and a half, just from a size and vertical route running ability of CD Lamb. His uh, contested catch ability too, down the sideline, things like that. That's right. a terrible matchup for John Jones. So if John Jones can't play in this game. I'm also not trusting Jawan Williams to go one-on-one with CeeDee Lamb either. So it definitely complicates things if he can't play. So that's why, you know, I again, what just what I'm saying is for what you're looking for, you're asking a ton, a ton out of J.C. Jackson, Jalen Mills, and Kyle Duggar. And I'm not saying they can't do it, but I, I almost feel more comfortable, you know, I think it's a bend don't break game. I do. I think it's a bend don't break game, and and you really narrow in on the running game once you get down in the red zone. So I, I think it's the t- to me it's the total opposite because if you what I come back to is my original point here with this is that if you allow Dallas to run for five or six yards on first down, then second down becomes second and four consistently, and third down might not even exist. Right. So you have to be able to get off the field against this Dallas team. And then when they get down into the red zone, Dallas is only 19th in red zone efficiency this year. So if you can limit them to field goals in the red zone a couple of times, if you can win some third downs, that's how the Patriots are going to keep them from scoring 35 points on them. If you go out there with a game plan, like all these other teams have, the Giants did it last week, uh, the Bucks did it to do a degree in week one, they went out there and they played two deep structures and they allowed Dallas to run the ball. They invited them to run the football. And last week against the Giants, and I think the Patriots defense is better than the Giants D, but in general, last week against the Giants, they ran for 200 yards and Dak Prescott threw for over 300 yards in that game. They had 500 yards of total offense and 37 points because they kept the defense off balance for four straight quarters. The Giants had were not dictating terms at all. The situation was not dictated to the offense at all, and they had the entire playbook open to them and at their disposal whenever they wanted. So 
the key for the Patriots is to get them into third downs and into red zone third downs that they can actually go ahead and win those downs defensively. If you're giving up these under throws underneath and you're playing soft coverage in the back end, and maybe you're playing with two deep safeties and allowing them to run the football, you're not even going to see third down, right? They're just going to pick up so many yards on first and second down on you that you're not even going to get to that point where you can actually get a win and potentially get the defense off the field or maybe kick field goals in the red zone. It, this is a bend don't break game in the essence that that secondary and those cornerbacks are going to have to keep things in front of them and mitigate the big explosive plays down the field from the passing game. But I truly feel like on first down, they definitely need to be a good first and second down team against Dallas on Sunday, or Dallas is just going to run it up and down the field on them the entire game. You don't think if they're selling out for the run, they're just going to, set up catch and run opportunities off the short passing game for CD lamb and, and, and Dalton Schultz. Like that's what worries me. So I don't really think that sell. I, I don't think that defending the run or playing post safety with the extra guy in the box is selling out against the run, right? I'm not necessarily advocating for the Patriots to put eight guys in the box and, and truly sell out against the run. I think what I'm more advocating for is, making sure that you are able to stay uh, numbers even in the box to a degree, because remember you also have Dak. So if they're running zone read or they're running some sort of element where Dak is going to be a factor, then you're getting into a situation where you're playing six guys in the box against their eight guys now, right? Because you have the seven guys that you normally would have the offensive line, the tight end, the back, and then you also have the quarterback added in there. So you're really defensively playing six on eight. And that's what's happening to these teams against Dallas is that they're trying to go out there and trying to stop the run six on eight, and they're getting absolutely destroyed on the ground. And when you get five, six yards per pop on the ground like Dallas did last week. You're just never in third down. You're never really in situations where the defense can get off the field or predict what's going to come. So it's not necessarily like, okay, let's put eight guys in the box and let's sell out against the run and make sure that they don't run on us. And if they throw on us, then fine. It's more so being balanced defensively, I would say, with the way that they approach this. Because again, I if you get into a game where Dallas is just able to call whatever they want because the down and distance is always in their favor, then I don't know how you stop this offense like that. That That's how you get into a game where you give up. It, it reminds me a lot of like the game they played against the Eagles in the, in the uh, Super Bowl in 2017, right? They had no idea what the Eagles were going to run because the Eagles were constantly ahead of the chains in that game. You have to avoid that this week if you're the Patriots. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I just think at the same time, big play like down if, if you do that Dallas is just going to hunt big plays and they can get big plays with the rest of them so you know it's sort of a pick your poison and I we've seen them you know it feels like what you're, what you're suggesting is something we haven't seen them do even though in theory it may be a little more efficient uh, I think either way there, there's risk to what you do I'd rather see them go with something they've done before they know they can do that's worked for them before which what is I'm asking them to do is doing is playing their brand of defense like if they go out there and play too high, that's not how they usually play. They usually play single high, cover one, cover three, a uh, robber, you know, things like that. If you go out there and play. So the other thing that I would say about this is that the only times that I've ever seen them truly play 
a too high soft shell zone and really forced the offense to run the football was that 2013 game against Peyton Manning and last year against the Kansas City Chiefs. And both those teams, the Chiefs and the Broncos in 2013, had okay running games, but they didn't have elite running games that really was going to destroy you, right? They, they, they had game, running games that the Patriots felt a man short. They were going to be able to at least hold up a little bit. And this Dallas rushing attack is not that, right? This is not the Chiefs. If the Patriots are playing Kansas City this week, I would say back off of everybody, go with the two deep shells and try to keep everything in front of you and make Patrick Mahomes dig and duck his way down the field. But this is a different animal. This is not an offense that needs to throw the football, right? The Chiefs need to throw the football. The, the Cowboys can beat you handing the ball off 40 times. Right, but again, you know, they can beat you if if you're – there's just so many different things they can. I I guess I get what you're saying. It's just to me, I think you know, the best way to stop one of these offenses, one of these offenses that can do everything, and and we you already kind of touched on this, right? If you force them to be one dimensional, if you take away whatever it is, the run or the pass, it in some ways also helps you with that other element. Even though you may be shorthanded, you know it's coming, right? If you totally choke off the run. You have to keep doing what you're doing to choke off the run, but everybody in the secondary knows the pass is coming and they can kind of be attuned to that. So I just, I feel better about them choking off the pass and forcing Dallas to run and being able to stop that shorthanded with all these linebackers that they have, as opposed to choking off the run and then counting on, you know, even though he's been good, Jalen Mills winning consistently downfield against C.D. Lamb, J.C. Jackson against Amari Cooper, who we called a top five receiver. I'd rather see those extra assets on the back end. It's not going to happen. I'm telling you that Bill is not going to sit there and too deep and let Zeke Elliott run for six yards per carry. I just, that's not his style. It's never oh, has been. That's, that's what Fournette ran for. So why do you think he'd let Fournette do it and not Zeke? Because... I think that he didn't think that Tampa Bay's rushing attack is as good as this is. T Tampa Bay's running game was good in that game, but they ended up running run for maybe 130 or 140 or something like that. Six yards to carry, exactly. Exactly yeah. the number you just said. Well, okay, I, I don't care about the yards per carry. How much did they run for total in the entire game? Um, I have it here. Give me one second. I think it was about because, 130. Yeah, because one. One. Yeah, you're not gonna get. You're not gonna lose a game giving up 120 yards on the ground. Right, you're going to lose the game, giving up 200 yards on the ground, which is what this will, what will happen if the Patriots do that plan and allow Ezekiel Elliott to run on soft boxes because that's what he's been doing all week, all game season long. That's what happened last week against the Giants, and he they ran for 201 against the well, Giants last week. Let's not forget. First of all, Patriots have much better defensive front than the Giants do. Second of all, he's been hurt all week. Let's you know you got to factor that into the and maybe that's gamesmanship. I don't know, but. I think you test him. I think you test him. Right? Isn't that what the Patriots think, would do? Isn't that what I, I would? But I, I wouldn't say it's just Zeke. I would also worry about Pollard. I think Pollard can really run the football as well. He's yeah. an explosive runner. He's a lot of people think that Pollard's a better back at this point in his career than Zeke is, just because of right all here. the all the toll on Zeke at this point. Again, I understand that. I I, I understand your philosophy, right? Uh, stopping the pass, and this is what teams are doing against Dallas, and they're averaging 34 points a game with teams trying to let's stop the pass, let's you know worry about these receivers, and let's let them run the football. And Dallas is averaging almost 35 points a game, so that strategy to me is not working. 
against the Cowboys. It's working in theory against the pass. Uh, Dak's yards per attempt, his air yards, all that is way lower when they play two deep shells versus single high shells. But the problem is, is that when you play too deep against Dallas, they're averaging six yards per carry on the ground. So I also wanted to talk about this matchup in the trenches because this is a true uh, this is an awesome matchup in the trenches on both sides of the football in this game. This is a two teams that like to build from the line of scrimmage out. And Dallas has one of the best offensive lines in all of football. And looking at two really marquee matchups, both one inside and one outside, the one inside being Zach Martin against Lawrence Guy and Devon Godshaw. The Patriots paid Devon Godshaw pretty good money. They paid Lawrence Guy pretty good money for matchups to go up against the best guard in all of football besides maybe Quentin Nelson. And that is Zach Martin. And they are just unstoppable when they run it behind Zach Martin as well. So should I bring up the number? I found this, you know, NFL stats website that we use that the media uses, right? They, yeah. they break runs down by direction. I found this very interesting. Um, I'm actually going to get the exact numbers up in front of me here so I can really break it down. But basically when they, they give you the splits for runs directionally and there's behind center. Here it is right here. I've already told um, you, we already talked about this yesterday off the air and I already told you why these numbers are skewed. So I just, okay, but I just, I, I find it interesting. So, they give you up the middle, right guard, right tackle, right end, and then the, yeah. the same thing on the left side, right? Uh, when the Cowboys run to off left tackle or left end, so not left guard. This is just left tackle or left end. So we're, we're going stretch. We're going whatever, right? They average about four, four and a half yards a carry on 30 carries so far this year. When they run on the right side, similar amount of carries, they run for eight yards a carry. That's among the best in the NFL. That's off right tackle and right end. When they run off right guard, according to this, it's only four yards a carry, which ranks 22nd in the NFL, 17 carries. So, again, there's a probably a lot of context in there. I just It stands out to me. It's an interesting number. Okay, so let me give you the context. Uh, their number one run blocking scheme is outside zone. Okay, so when they run outside zone, the right guard is getting the hell out of Dodge, right? He's stepping to the sideline, and he's running and flowing side to side with the play. So although maybe when they run it right behind the right guard, technically by these charting metrics, it's not effective. Everything to the right side is led by Zach Martin, right? He, he's the, the center point of the entire running scheme. The other play that they really like when they do go to more of like a gap scheme, and sometimes these are actually zone runs depending on the coaching staff, G lead, right? Which is instead of pulling the backside guard in like a power or a counter play, they're going to pull the play side or the front side guard. All the time, that's Zach Martin, the right guard. So when they run to his gap based off of the scheme, uh, Sports Info Solutions tracks this, and they have it at six and a half yards per carry running behind Zach Martin when they, whether he's pulling or he's getting out in outside zone or he's blocking inside zone, which are their three most common schemes in their running game. They're averaging six and a half yards per carry when they're running to Zach Martin's direction. So I don't know if that right guard stat is just plunging it right up the middle at the guard. And in that case, yeah, I could see why they probably wouldn't average a ton of yards. But whenever they get Zach Martin on the move, they are dynamite running behind him. 
and this is a big time game as well. I would also say for Matt Judon against Tyron Smith, who's one of the best tackles in all of football. And I know they'll probably flip Judon side to side and, and move him say, around. Do you think, do you think they lock Judon onto a side for this game? They haven't really done that. Uh, I don't know if they'll lock him on. No, I, I doubt it. Um, usually they, they try to follow him to the strength of the formation. If they're going to get play action, they sometimes line him up on the backside to let him rush off of play action. But no, I, I don't think he'll definitely be over Zach Martin all the time or uh, Tyron Smith all the time. But when he is over Tyron Smith, that is a strength on strength, heavyweight type of matchup, right? One of the best left tackles yeah. in football against one of the best pass rushers right now going in the NFL and Matt Judon. So I'm really looking forward to this trenches matchup when the Cowboys have the football, because that is a, an amazing offensive line and seeing how this Patriots front that has a lot of hype to it and hasn't necessarily lived up to all of it against the run. They've been a little bit weak there, but overall I I think that this, uh, this front for the Patriots is the strength of their team. And this is going to be a true litmus test of where uh, they're going this year. If they can be stout and stand up to this Dallas offensive line, that's just absolutely terrific. Yeah. I mean, this is, I don't know. I do know like Dallas has a more talented roster one to 53 yeah. than the Patriots, but the moves the Patriots made this off season, they should be able to at least hang in a game with a team like Dallas, yeah. especially at home. They just should. They got, you know, they, they spent a ton of money on the front seven pass rush run stopping. They went out, they got these tight ends, which Dallas like Tampa. Again, there's a lot of similarities in between these two games. Dallas has struggled covering tight ends this year. So I think it's a big game for those two guys. Hunter Henry telling us yesterday, he thinks Johnny Smith is due for a breakout soon. Um, this, their strengths, the Patriots strengths play well into the Cowboys weaknesses. So that's, you know, again, kind of goes to what you just said. Yeah. Some of the matchup type of stuff is definitely, uh, on paper, as talented as Dallas is, the Patriots have a lot of favorable types of matchups. And we can move over to the offense side of the ball and mention what you just hit on there. Dallas this year, according to DVOA, 24th against passes to the middle of the field and 31st against covering tight ends. So between the numbers is an area in this Dallas defense. Keanu Neal plays there in there a lot as like a low hole player, a zone player, also covers tight ends. Jabril Cox, the rookie out of LSU, he's one of their guys that's developing in a Patrick Chung, Kyle Duggar type of role for this defense. And Micah Parsons obviously is in the middle there as well, a whole lot late in Vander Esch. That's the weakness of this Dallas defense right now. They're playing a lot more man coverage for the Cowboys uh, under Dan Quinn than what Dan Quinn has typically played. You think of Dan Quinn as a Falcons Seahawks disciple, uh, the Seattle three system playing a lot of zone coverage on the back end. They're playing a lot more man to man uh, with Quinn than what he's done in the past. So there are going to be opportunities in the middle of the field between Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, Kendrick Bourne, and Jacoby Myers. Patriots, I just named four guys that should be able to, you know, win reps inside there. And that's where this Dallas Cowboys defense is vulnerable. And whether he plays or not, I'm not expecting Mac Jones to throw the ball deep all that much on this Cowboys defense, regardless of if Trayvon Diggs is out there, because that's how you turn the football over a lot on Sunday if you start to try to air it out against these guys. So it's interesting to hear you say that because the what, what I think I said on Tuesday, right? When the ball's in the air and Dallas is playing in the game, 
something big's going to happen. If they're throwing the ball, it's probably a big play. Uh, if they're on defense, they lead the league in interceptions, thanks to Trayvon Diggs. Obviously, he was six. Right. But they're also 31st in opponent passing yards per game. Yeah. So I, I, A lot of that, though, is coming in garbage time. Um, I, I saw a stat. Okay, but, but uh, you know, okay, well, Dallas has been up in a lot of games, right? So a lot of that is teams trying to come back against the Cowboys. So I, well, I'll add too, it's not just volume. They're 21st in, in yards per attempt against a game. So, you know, part of, part of that garbage time, right. Is you're just sitting back and you're allowing everything underneath. Well, right. teams are still able to, again, the yards per attempt still up there. It's 21st. It's not as bad. It's a, it's a boomer bust defense in the past defense. Yeah. I, Look, should they come out and try to be like the 07 Patriots and huck the ball down the field all day? No, because like you said, that's how you turn the ball over. I think especially if there's no Trayvon Diggs, because I don't really love Dallas's corners behind Diggs, right? Remember, there's a reason we were talking all offseason about how they were the one they were the one team that kept coming up that everybody thought the Patriots are going to trade Stephon right. Gilmore, right? I think you're you're leaving you're leaving potential on the table if you don't at least take a couple shots. I think it, again, you, yeah. you shouldn't do it every play, but I'd like to just on the first drive, just see how it goes. Just on the first drive, if you and look, it's been tough enough for them to get a second and one or second and two. But if you can get one of those kind of situations, I think you got to keep them honest. I think you got to take some shots because I think the opportunities will be there if you structure them correctly. So Jordan Lewis is their nickel backer in the slot. He's a good player. Uh, not not exactly a guy that you're going to target deep anyway. It's not like you're throwing a Jacoby Myers 60 yards down the field. Uh, if Trayvon Diggs doesn't play, I don't hate testing those guys down there. But I really do feel like watching them on tape, looking at the numbers, that their weakness is certainly in the middle of the field at the inter intermediate level. These linebackers, Micah Parsons, really great pass rusher, uh, struggling so far in his rookie season in coverage, which is what you would expect for a guy I played a lot on the line of scrimmage at uh, at Penn State to now be playing a little bit more uh, with, you know, kind of off the ball here in Dallas. Uh, you would expect him to have some misreads, some uh, misdirection, play action, uh, just kind of being undisciplined at that second level is I think what a lot of people expected out of Micah Parsons in year one. And we've certainly seen a little bit of that out of him. Uh, I mentioned Jabril Cox. He's a rookie as well. and obviously. Uh, you know, Keanu Neal's an experienced player inside, but they're giving up a lot of yards to tight ends. They're giving up a lot of yards between the numbers. And if Diggs doesn't play, I don't hate trying to take some shots. If he plays, I, I'm staying away from it because at, le at least not, you're not taking a shot on his side of the field. I still think you got to test the other guys, but who, who are you going to throw to though? Like, who are you going to like if, if you're not throwing it to Nelson well, Aguilar and that's yeah, where right. that's where Diggs is going to be? I mean, you're not going to throw the fall deep to Kendrick Bourne. So I, I don't maybe know. Maybe you, you try to get Hunter Henry on the other side of the formation. Maybe, maybe you try to get a deep shot, but up the scene. Maybe you try to get Nikhil Harry a deep shot if you if you I, really want to go. Nikhil Harry, despite what we've seen, does in fact exist. That is an excellent point. Yeah. So Nikhil Harry exists, and maybe if you're looking to try to push the ball down the field to somebody That's else, a really good point. It might be Nikhil Harry. Now. Diggs did not practice on Wednesday and Thursday. I haven't seen a report out of Dallas if whether or not he practices uh, today. But Mike McCarthy is not a, a, the type of coach like Bill Belichick who's only going to play you if you practice. I guarantee you that if Trafon Diggs can shoot it up and get out there on Sunday, that he's going to play regardless of how much he's practiced this week or not. So, so can I, real quick, can I ask you something here? Do you because we were working the Patriots game when Dallas was playing, right? Yeah. Do you remember him getting hurt? Like, I never remember seeing anything about him getting hurt. 
No, and he had a, he had an interception in that game that looked a lot right. like you know did a lot like he his interceptions remind me a ton of J.C. Jackson's interceptions, right? Where he's just he just tracks the ball extremely well down the field and he knows the situation extremely well to jump routes underneath the defense too. So he he's a really tough player to gauge because he you can beat him. It's it's a lot like JC, right? Like he's he's a ball hawk. He's not right. necessarily so, so I, a lockdown guy. Just real quick, I guess what my point was is if he finished the game the I, I I'm not saying the Cowboys are lying on their injury report. I'm not right. even cheating, but like I wonder if there's some gamesmanship here. I wonder if he, you know, wakes up on Monday, ankles a little sore. Hey, take the week off. Like, yeah, you're good. I just, there was no obvious injury. So I wonder truly how significant it is. Yeah. What I'm, like I still, I'm still, I put him in my game plan this week. I published it. I, I wrote it yesterday. I wrote it after I knew he didn't practice. I still put it in my game plan. I obviously put the caveat in there, but like, I, I won't believe he's not playing until I see it, at, it won't be at 1130 at whatever it is, like two o'clock right. on Sunday. Until okay. I see him listed on the inactives, I'm not going to believe he's not playing. I, I'm 100% with you on that. I think Trevante is going to play in this game. That's not, I don't have a, that's not inside information or anything like that. I just, I, I feel like Dallas, like I said, the, the Patriots are one of those teams that if you don't practice during the week, you don't play. Right. And we can right. tell if you're going to play or not based off the fact if you're out there on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. I don't think that Mike McCarthy has the same mentality on that as Bill Belichick. Belichick takes it and looks at it and says, well, if you didn't practice during the week, you didn't practice the game plan. You're not in the install. So we're not going to play you on Sunday. I think Mike McCarthy looks at it and says, Trevon Diggs, you know what you're doing, right? You're you're taking Nelson Aguilar, you're playing man-to-man on the outside, and you're hunting for the football. That's not – we don't need you to practice to do that, right? right. I, I really feel like that's you how can he – You still watch film. You yeah. can still watch film on the sideline. Right. Okay, so let's talk about the offensive line. I, I want to circle back to Mack in a second and just talk about him in a vacuum as well in this game. But looking at this offensive line, Alex, you were out at practice today, and Justin Haran is back at practice, which – I didn't think that we would get to the point with this offensive line where Justin Ferran practicing was like big news for the Patriots. But based off of how we played at left tackle last week against Houston, this is kind of big news for the Patriots if Justin Ferran can play in this game. So if we assume that Ferran can play because he practiced on uh, Wednesday in a limited capacity, and then he's out there today on Friday. So the only day that he fully missed was Thursday. So maybe yesterday was more of a management day for Haran to try to get him to uh, be healthy enough to play on Sunday. So assuming that Haran is healthy, I, I I would think at least that we're getting from left to right, Haran at left tackle on Winniwet guard, Andrews at center, Mason at right guard, obviously, and then Yadni Kajust at, at right tackle. That feels like the best possible outcome at this point for the Patriots. Who, who is your other guard again? Mason and? And on Wenu. And on Wenu, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the other option would be moving on when outside, right, and putting Karras in if yeah. you're not comfortable with Kajust. Um, he, he, Haran was moving a little bit gingerly. I mean, sometimes it's tough to tell his stretching, right? Sometimes the guy's just sort of half-ass it, but um, yeah, I I would like to see Yadni Kajust get another shot. Now, this isn't exactly the Houston Texans defensive front. I think you need They're to have a short good. leash. You, yeah. you, need, you need to have a short leash to go to that second that second combination that I just laid out. But yeah, I think what you described is probably the most realistic option. Yeah. So Lawrence is not playing in this game. He's on injured reserve. 
um, which is pretty big. I, I would say Demarcus Lawrence, that is, who's an all pro level pass rusher. Right. So he's not playing in this game. Neither is Michael Gallup on their offense. He's also on injured reserve right now for Dallas. So those two guys are out, which helps the Patriots a whole lot. But looking I think at they had another pass rush. Don't they have another pass rusher on right now? Uh, on Randy IR? Gregory. Uh, or no, injured. Randy Gre- and Randy Gregory's been limited all week. Yeah, Randy Gregory is playing. I don't know if he's playing, but he's he's right. I just team. I just wanted to like their top two. They don't have one of their top two defensive ends. Yeah, and the other one yeah. is is probably playing, but playing hurt. Yeah, so the the one that I would really worry about if you're going to start Kajust, who played okay, I gave him a C plus in, in my grade I, I, when I did the offensive line review. That was nice of me. It was honestly, it was nice of me. It wasn't. It, PFF had his grade way lower than I did, but I p- took into account his first time out, his first regular season start. You know these types of things. There's some context there than just looking at the film and seeing what he was able to do. The, what worries me about playing Kajust in this game is that if Dallas decides to put Micah Parsons over him uh, on the right side and rush Micah Parsons from on the line of scrimmage, then I think his speed and his explosiveness is going to give Kajust all sorts of problems. Because what uh, the one thing that I saw Kajust consistently have issues with against Houston was guys that could really turn the corner and bend underneath you, right? He was missing his punch, going underneath guys, uh, trying trying to block guys and stay inside out of speed moves was difficult. So if Kajust is over there and they put Micah Parsons uh, over the, the top of him and it's a passing down and they're going to throw the football, then you better chip or you better slide or you better do something, right? I mean, just asking yeah. Kajust to block Micah Parsons one-on-one is going to ask for trouble. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear you say that because you were kind of down on Micah Parsons when we were talking about him earlier in the week. Uh, really good pass really good pass rusher off the ball really raw there and that's something that goes back to his college tape at penn state as well he played defensive end in high school and came to penn state as a defensive end but he's just too small to play as a true every down defensive end in the nfl so now he's more of like a a three four outside linebacker or uh, somebody that's going to play a little bit on and a little bit off when he plays off the line of scrimmage i really streaky player from that depth right just really fast sideline to sideline type of guy but he can really be had with misdirection uh, false keys play action things like that if you play him on the line of scrimmage and you just let him pass rush he was dynamite at penn state and he's still dynamite so i wonder just, just having heard you say that um and you know here's that part of the show i call for this every week but this seems like the right time to do it end around pop pass screens like keeping them honest like okay so is this the week for those kinds of plays so i think it is uh if they're they're in man coverage right Uh, if they play their zone seattle style zone those types of plays end around things like jet sweeps uh, those don't typically work as well against seattle style coverages because the corners on the outside are are ready for it right i guess i i mean it more as you do you run it early just to keep Parsons honest and upset his clock as if opposed I, to like actually trying to get chunk plays out of it. If I'm the Patriots, Micah Parsons is the one player that I circle in this defense and say, I need to put that guy in an absolute blender for right. four quarters on so Sunday. So that's how you do that. Yeah. You need to give you need to throw the kitchen sink of motion play action, misdirection, try to get him to run out of his gaps, try to get him to play undisciplined because he will do that. He does invite that part of his game. So if I'm them, I'm looking at Parsons. If you 
let him see ball hit ball he is an extremely effective player right and that's why he was drafted in the first round is because when he clicks into things and sees things he is a shot out of a cannon like a, a missile on the football field but if you can get him to look in the wrong places then you can get him you can expose him a little bit and i think that's what the patriots will try to do so all right let me call so i called for the play i call for every week what about RPOs to his side and make him the guy the RPO? No, you don't. I would love. It. I would love it. You know, I've been clamoring for the RPOs all season long. They've called three RPOs the entire year through five games. They have three of them, and I don't. I think Mac has thrown a pass on one. It was that Nelson Aguilar uh, orbit motion end around type of throw that was ended up being a, a run for Nelson Aguilar because the ball was thrown backwards. That's the one RPO that they've actually triggered a throw on, I believe. They, they threw a screen to Kendrick Bourne, the sequence of three screen passes at the uh, in against Houston in the red zone. They they ran a what looked to me like it might have been an RPO and he did throw the screen on that one so maybe that makes two passes converted on RPOs but they just you you know what McDaniel said we don't major in it it's a matchup thing well, so here here's kind of how I look at it is and this is I mean trying to climb inside the brain here right yeah they really didn't use the tight ends for the first three weeks at least not to the extent we thought they would. And then you remember, do you remember what I said during Bucks week about how it's now or never? This is the time. This team can't cover tight ends. If you're going to break it out, now it's time to break it out. Yeah. I almost feel like you could say the same thing about RPOs where, well, if there was ever a week to do it, you know, they, they don't major it in, in it in the sense that it's not going to become a major part of their play to play offense. But sure. if there was, I, I do feel like one of the few things I'll give Josh McDaniels credit for when it's, I, I, I don't know, it's credit, however you want to put it. When it's time, when it's the obvious answer, he generally goes to it. Yeah. He doesn't get, you know, as much as we talk about him getting too cute, maybe on a play by play basis, game plan wise, he generally does a good job of, okay, yeah, this, regardless of whether we execute it at the highest level or not, this will probably work this week. Like he generally does lean to that. So this is one where I look at and I say, well, if you were going to run RPOs, if you were going to pick one game this year to be your RPO game, boy, it feels like this would be it, right? They they have, they have a lot of good things on their defense, I would say, in what they're doing with their man coverage stuff and their pressure package on third down. So if you can RPO them on first and second down, and they're also a pretty decent run defense this year as well. I think they're only giving up something like 88 yards on the ground so far through uh, five games. So it, I... In theory, if you can if you can win on first and second down with play, things like play action and RPOs, then that would really go a long way against his defense. It's similar to the matchup against New Orleans, not necessarily in terms of personnel, but that game got away from the Patriots because they were getting into too many third downs, right? And this is a game I, I think that on both sides of the ball, getting Dallas into third down offensively and getting staying away from it on offense when the Patriots have the football is the name of the game. The other name of the game, and this takes us back to Mac, which is I wanted to talk about him a little bit from a big picture sense too, just looking at his development. This is one of those games, again, digs or no digs, where if he throws the football into danger as often as he did last week, this Cowboys defense is not going to drop the interceptions like the Texans did, right? He, he will end up throwing multiple interceptions if he's throwing the ball into danger, into traffic as often as he did against Houston. He got lucky against Houston a couple of different times. 
if he does that against this Dallas defense, not only is he going to get intercepted, but it's going to be a long night because the Patriots are then going to the defense going to funnel the offense for Dallas and, and they're going to win this game going away. Yeah, I but I do think he's going to have to throw the ball a good amount. I do. I, yeah. you know, so it's it's kind of you got to make it as paint by number for him as possible. I just I, re, I, I just really like where this game could go. Because I do think, and, and we disagreed at the beginning, um, but I do think there is maybe something similar, a, a similar layout, a similar structure in terms of the game flow to the Cowboys game, but I think it could be a higher scoring version of that. And I just think there's a real chance. It, like, Mac went toe-to-toe with Brady in week four, but not really because neither one of them was carrying their team. You know what right. I mean by that? Like, yeah. It, that was the two defenses duking it out. That wasn't the two quarterbacks. Like this one feels like it could be more Mac and Dak, which is very fun to say, going toe to toe. Mac and Dak going toe to toe, and Dak to me is a legit. Not that Brady's not, but again, Dak is a legitimate MVP candidate. Dak yeah. is as good He's of a great. quarterback. You know, you know, I, I put Mahomes, Rogers ahead of him. I put Brady ahead of him. He's right there in the top five discussion to me with Russell Wilson, right? And I, whether you want to throw to Sean Watson there or not, I don't know what we're doing with him. But um, I, you missed I, one. Anyway, I'm not, I'm I, not gonna... who did I miss? Who did I miss? You know who you missed. No, I really don't know who I missed. You missed Lamar. Oh, I did miss. I did miss Lamar. That is that is fair. I did miss Lamar. <laughs> um, I thought you were going to say Josh Allen. I was going to jump to the computer and hit you. Um, I That's anyway to do though. I think both in terms of his football skill, in terms of his mental makeup, et cetera. Yeah. We're going to get to see Dak go toe-to-toe with an MVP candidate. We're going to learn a lot about Mac Jones. Or yeah. Sorry, we're going to see Mac go toe-to-toe with an MVP candidate. We're going to learn a lot about Mac Jones on this game. I'm looking forward to that. Hey, remember what I said um, on Tuesday about the Texans game being like a drunken comment, right? It's when your friend drunkenly says, hey, what if we bought a bar and like you just don't pay attention to it because it, you don't need to, right? This game is the exact opposite of that. I'm ready to put a ton of stock into whatever happens in this game. Me as well, because that Tampa game, and not to take away anything from the defense, but it poured. Tampa had five drops on defense. I think for Tom, or on offense, excuse me, their receivers dropped five passes in the raining conditions. I think you that is a very unique game, right? In the sense that you're not going to know an opponent as well as Belichick knows Brady ever again, right? And you're also not going to get the element early on in that game of Brady felt a little bit emotional for him, right. To come back for obvious reasons. So that game was so unique in so many different ways that I, I am treating the bucks game, especially after what we saw last week against Houston with the defense as an absolute outlier right now, the the, the defense needs to prove it to me against an opponent like the Cowboys and uh, conditions that isn't going to be as bad as they were against Tampa Bay. Can you do it then? Right. Can you do it then? Can you go toe to toe with this offense that I think is more balanced than what they saw against Tampa Bay? And I think there's more to cover than what Tampa Bay brings to the table because Brady is a stationary quarterback. I still really like Dallas's rushing offense over Tampa Bay's rushing offense. So from a game plan schematic coaching standpoint, this Dallas offense to me is the toughest one to defend in the NFL. Because you just have to worry about so many different things. With Brady, he's going to sit in the pocket and he's going to dissect you and he's going to kill you. We all know that. But at least you know what's coming, right? 
You know where his sweet spots are. You know where he's going to be. He's always going to be inside the pocket. And you know generally what you're going to get in the game. With Dallas, they could do anything in this game, and it wouldn't surprise me because they can throw it inside. They can throw it outside. They can throw it down the field. They can throw it short. They can run the ball. The quarterback can run the ball. So you really start to think about all the different things that this Cowboys offense can do. And I don't know if any other offense in the NFL has this much balance or this much in their repertoire. Some offenses might do one thing better than Dallas. You know, I think the Bucks throw the ball better than Dallas does on the whole, but are they as good as Dallas in every single way that Dallas is good? I, I, I think this is, from a game plan standpoint, the toughest offense that you have to prepare for all year long. Yeah, I could see that. I, I again, I think the the intricacies of that Bucks game you you laid out pretty well. So uh, I, I'd agree with that. But again, and that's why I think even more so, I don't know that Mac's going to have the cover that he had from the defense. Something against the Patriots defense, it's just such a tough, yeah, tough opponent on the other side that he's going to have to put up points. He's going to have to make plays against a good defense. They're gonna, like you're not getting it from the running game. It's it's Mac Jones or bust, and we'll see how he reacts to that. And there's going to be some man coverage played in this game by Dallas and the Patriots went out there and we, we've been everybody on under the sun says it all the time. Oh, they spent all this money on all these receivers, right? All in the off season. But now you're going to get a game plan from Dallas that I do think is going to be 35 to 40% man coverage. This is what you paid these guys to go out there and do is beat man coverage, right? Because the Patriots are getting so much man coverage over the last couple of years. And outside of when Edelman was healthy and was at his peak, there was nobody else besides, I guess, maybe James White that could go out there and beat man coverage consistently. So this is a huge game for Hunter Henry. This is a huge game for Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Jacoby Myers, Jonu Smith, that, past catching arsenal for Mac Jones is going to have some one-on-ones, right? We talk about one-on-ones during training camp a lot of the time, and then it sort of fades away when we get into all the minutia of all the schemes and stuff like that when you're running 11-on-11. But this is truly going to be a game against Dallas where they're going to get some real one-on-one opportunities. And the Patriots receivers are going to have to step up and win some of these. And you also look at this game, I guarantee you, you're going to see a ton of pick routes. You're going to see a ton of rubs. You're going to see a ton of bunch formations, stack alignments, things to manipulate man coverage by Dallas. So I would expect McDaniels to open the Rolodex of all of the man coverage tricks, right? You run a pick play, you run a bunch formation to stress their communication and see if they cover it well. You run stack alignments to get guys free releases off the line of scrimmage. You know, all these types of different ways that you can manipulate man coverage. And we've seen this happen against the Patriots all the time, right? Now I think the Patriots are going to run that against Dallas's defense. What about the, the running backs? Because this is going to be really fascinating to see how who plays and how the Patriots split up these touches in the backfield this week. Damian Harris is limited yesterday. Sounds like he was out there at practice again today. So that brings into question, uh, is Damian Harris going to play in this game? If he does, is he going to be able to carry the football if they want to try to run the ball a little bit? Is he going to be able to carry the football in high volume? Is Ramondre Stevenson going to continue to get a shot? He had 11 carries last week against Houston. Um, is J.J. Taylor active for this game? How, how does the backfield look? Well, I, like if Damon Harris can't play, I don't know what they're going to do because I, they don't seem comfortable activating both JJ Taylor and Ramondre Stevenson. And I don't like, if those are your two lead backs, that's just not good enough. 
Yeah. That's nothing. To, like, I think Ramondre Stevenson has a ton of upside. I do. I really do. I, yeah. I still love that draft pick, but he's not ready for a 30 carry game against his defense. He's just not. I still don't understand why they haven't signed a running back, Kevin. I said they're too thin. They're too thin. You know, I'm not a running backs guy and I still can't figure it out. Well, at a certain point, you know, you can, I know your argument is that individual running backs, right? Yeah, that's why you can just sign any one of these guys and they should be able to produce. Yeah. That's not what this conversation is. The conversation, it's just pure bodies, right? right? It's, you still need somebody. You can't just go out there with 10 guys. It's not that running backs don't matter. Okay. And also the fact that some of your people think despite, no, they don't, you, you said it right. The first time, don't try to get it and take shots at the analytics. Oh no. Some of them act like you'd go out there 10 on 11 without running. Can I give you a prediction for this game? Okay. Jakob Johnson gets a carry. I thought you were going to say Johnny Smith gets a carry. And I I was was tempted to that a lot more. I was, I was very tempted to say that. I, who do you think is more likely to get one? I, Johnu, I hope, I hope, because what I continue to point to on top of the fact that, so I'm writing in my mailbag for tomorrow. I mentioned this to you. I keep on saying off the air today, but I mentioned this to you yesterday when we were talking down at Gillette that the Patriots plan coming into the season was not to be 27th in yards per carry, right? That, that was not the plan. The plan was to have a great offensive line, a deep backfield, 12 personnel, run the football, be effective. And Mac Jones right now is throwing the ball way too much for what their plan was coming into the year. And they're not running the ball very effectively. Everybody wants to talk about the issues with the passing game and the pass protection. The pass protection has been average. The run blocking has been horrendous. Like, league worst horrendous right right? and they have no production on the ground whatsoever so this is not necessarily the game where you're going to get that rushing attack oh you know opened up because dallas is a pretty good front and a pretty good run defense in general but at some point in time you have to take the pressure off the passing game a little bit and find some success on the ground and they have 20 they're 27th in yards per carry they're 37 uh, 32nd in run block win rate from espn so dead last in run block win rate they're 30th in pff grade in run blocking so whether you look at pff or you look at espn metrics or you look at yards per carry they are one of the worst rushing attacks in the entire nfl starting up front yeah and that starts solely in the trenches like solely right i think they have talented backs i think damian harris is a good running back but this offensive line, and I would also throw the tight ends in there as well, because Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith haven't blocked particularly well either. This offensive line and these tight ends and this running game as a whole is not good enough for this offense to hit its ceiling. They cannot be 27th in yards per carry and get this offense where they want it to go. So at some point in time, they have to get the running game going. And the fact that they're going out there, uh, the last couple of weeks and playing Brandon Bolden as much as they are on offense is an absolute killer to this offense. And it's no offense to Brandon Bolden, but he's just so undynamic in every single way. Right. And he just basically brings nothing to the table to the point where most of his yards are coming on plays where the defense just doesn't even guard him. Right. Or, or it's some sort of rub rod or something like that to get him free, to get him open. But when they throw these screen passes to Brandon Bolden, you, you might as well just kneel it. Right. Like you might as well right. just w- throw the down away because they're just not getting anything whatsoever out of that. So whether that's allowing J.J. Taylor to play, allowing Ramondre Stevenson to play in the passing game, Damian Harris evolving in the passing game, or signing one of these backs to be in that James White, Rex Burkhead type of role, 
running Brandon Bolden out there 25 times a game is terrible. It's a, it's terrible for this offense. I've been clamoring for them to put Johnny in the backfield a little bit and try to experiment that way and get creative with their personnel groupings. They don't seem comfortable doing that yet. So whatever the answer is, I don't know, but they can't go out there and they're basically playing 10 on 11 when they put Brandon Bolden on the field. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he just hasn't done, I, I'm not saying that he can't play running back. I think in spots, if you need to use him five or six times a game, right? He had the run against the right. Texans. He's fine. But again, for for the body of work they need, he's just, he, he he's not good enough. He's not, again, I go back to it. Duke Johnson's still out there. Lamar Miller's still out there, who was with them in camp last season. Uh, yeah. I know some people are hesitant on Gurley. I don't think you're getting 2017 Todd Gurley, but I think if you sign him, you're getting an upgrade. Yeah, Maybe they're waiting to pull the trigger on Marlon Mack and they're waiting for the price to come down. And I guess it's it might be worth waiting for him in the long term, but that's if they really feel like they can compete for the playoffs. And I don't know, you lose this week, you go back to two and four, that gets tough. Yeah, so over the last three weeks since uh, James White got injured, here is Brandon Bolden's snap counts. 33 against New Orleans uh, with uh, James White getting hurt early in that game. 19 uh, in uh, against Tampa Bay and 24 last week against Houston. And uh, if I can quickly find it, his, his yards per touch has to be abysmal. Uh, and, and you're just looking at, uh, here it is, uh, yards per touch is five and a half, which is actually higher than I thought it would be, um, honestly. But you look at those snap counts for Brandon Bolden, is it's just way too much Brandon Bolden. It really is. And I, I know that, Look, we, we've talked about on the show a, a whole lot about pass protection for running backs, and he he's the best that they currently have in that role, but he is not the best pass catcher that they have on this team, right? He's not the most dynamic pass catcher out of the backfield that they have on this team. And, and it just seems like that the screen pass to Brandon Bolden is the quickest way to gain no yards in this offense. And it's, it's getting to the point where it's a huge problem that they have to play him as much as I just rattled off. Yeah, I, I mean, some of it, too, is just the timing. You know, I, I don't know that some of those plays, any other back is making more out of it than Bolden does, right? Just the setup, but... Uh, it, it, yeah, and I also want to mention, I, I'm not taking shots at Brandon Bolden. This is a personnel thing, right? This is a... Brandon Bolden should not be asked to be out there as much as he is. This is not Brandon Bolden is a bad player or me going on a rant to, and trying to bash Brandon Bolden specifically, this is more of like a coaching or a Belichick thing of you put yourself in this position where Brandon Bolden is your best pass down, passing downs running. Back. Right. That's you're, the problem. You're, you're asking him to play out of position, basically. It's, yeah. It, you know, it, it's like uh, last year when they didn't have enough safeties, right? And they have Jason McCourty back there playing safety. It's not, you right. know, he was fine, but he's not, it's not the best situation for the player. It's not the best situation for the team. All right. Well, Alex, I, I don't know about you, but I, I really, this game worries me. I, I, I like the Patriots at home to keep it close. I like Belichick all the time, obviously, to, to be able to game plan against an, a high power number two scoring offense that everybody's talking about that has a lot of buzz. Bill always seems to have a good plan against those teams. But on paper, Dallas has more talent. Dallas has more options offensively, certainly. They have the more experienced quarterback that's playing better than Mac Jones right now. It, this does not feel uh, like a great game for the Patriots going into it, but that's why predictions are right maybe one-eighth of the time. So I, I, this is the kind of game where the, you know, 
obviously the dynasty era Patriots were very good, but there were games where it felt like they were up against it. And if this team has those guts, if this team, you know, when Matt Judon comes out and says, we know our record, we know what we have in the locker room. We think we can win all our games. Like, yeah, I think this team can really win this game. If they bear down and dig deep and all that, I don't think it's totally unrealistic, but it's also the kind of game where they could get their doors blown off and it could feel really debilitating for the rest of the season. So I think there's a lot on the line on Sunday and, um, we're going to see really mentally what this team is made of because they're going to get tested. They're going to get tested, but yeah. this is also, I think they have what it takes to come back if they get down early, not big, but I think they could fall behind in this game, 10, three, 13, three, and still win it. But we're going to see if they have what it takes to do that. Yeah. Win, win the turnover margin. That, that, that'll that go right. a long way. If they can control the turnover margin, then I think that they can at least make this a game. Right. If they start turning the ball over like they have so far this season, especially with the fumbles and stuff like that, but also Mac throwing it up to the other team like he did a a couple of times against Houston. And then there's no way they can win this game. So if you want to have a starting point, it's win turnovers or at least don't turn over the ball if you're the Patriots offense and they have a chance. But this is going to be a tough game. It's going to be interesting to uh, to watch how the Patriots game plan and how this defense looks against Dak Prescott because I, a lot of people putting a ton of stock in that Tampa Bay game right now and how good the defense looked. What, let, let's see how good they look against another really good passing game and see if they can replicate it without Stephon Gilmore now completely, but they didn't have him against Tampa either. Let's see if they can replicate that against another good offense, and then maybe we can start talking up this defense a little bit more but Alex and I will be back on the show on Tuesday to break down this game against the uh, for the Patriots against the Cowboys so keep it right here on Patriots beat on Tuesday afternoon for a recap of Pat's Cowboys in week six we're coming up on the trade deadline uh, as well it's starting to creep up a little bit so maybe we'll talk some trades at some point next week too Marlon Mack's name's obviously been thrown out a ton Zach Ertz was traded today by the Eagles so there's some moves can he play two games in one week no he plays oh that would be so cool no, the uh, the NFL has already ruled on that and said that he is ineligible yeah, to play on. I'm Sunday. not surprised, but how cool would that be? Yeah, no, the NFLPA would freak out if they if he played two games in one week. So we will uh, be back on Tuesday. Like I mentioned, we'll talk some trade and, and get into some trade deadlines. I think the deadline's what November first or or something like that. So uh, like that, yeah. yeah, we're a couple weeks away from it, but we're starting to see some movement, some rumors, things like that. And we'll obviously recap Pat's Cowboys on Tuesday afternoon. But until then, signing off. For Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching, everybody.